Hello, everyone. This is Jeff McCoy, Senior Vice President for Corbett Road. And with me is Russ Sarabian, Head Portfolio Manager for Corbett Road as well. And this is April 16th, 2020. And coming to you from a podcast perspective is to provide information to our advisors in reference to Corbett Road's thoughts, um, how we analyzing markets, how we making decisions. And obviously, Rush, um, coming from one of the deepest declines, the quickest declines we've ever had in the history of U.S. market, we have treasury yields that fell below 1% for the first time in U.S. history. We have a varied range of outlook coming from major Wall Street firms in reference to some optimism toward year end to other ones who are more pessimistic in their outlooks and views. And I think individuals come to us for direction. You know, what is what are we looking at? How are we evaluating markets? How are we making decisions? And I think process-driven approach is the best approach. And, and I think kind of discussing macrocast as, as a mechanism or as a tool that we would use to determine, one, the current outlook of the markets, but also how we position uh, portfolios. Can you give us a little bit of background on what macrocast does, what it's designed to do, um, how it works in various market conditions to add and reduce risk? Definitely. Um, and, and thanks for having me. So Macrocast is our in-house proprietary risk assessment model. And we look at six categories in Macrocast, which we call the vitals. And vitals stands for, as an acronym stands for uh, valuation, inflation, technicals, aggregate econ economic data, liquidity, and sentiment. And so each month we assess the vitals and come up with a score for Macrocast. And that score basically says if Macrocast is above zero, then we want to position ourselves long risk assets in our tactical strategies. If Macrocast is zero or below, then we want to take a more defensive approach. And what we've seen in the last month is Macrocast went from a solid positive score uh, to uh, you know complete collapse. It's the fastest change over the course of a month in the, the model's history. You know, Right now, the score is zero after bottoming out at negative two. Uh, we believe that the current score suggests a lot of uncertainty in the markets. Uh, we believe that uh, with a score of zero and an unclear picture going forward, that uh, it is prudent to not be fully risk on. And, and that's the, what we've done in our tactical strategies. And so, as you mentioned in your opening, the uncertainty um, you know, in terms of where people think this is going and when they think this will be over, I think is reflected in our macrocast score uh, right now. And it, that brings up a good point. I was listening to uh, CNN the other day, um, Ellerani, and actually made a great point. He says, for average investors, they need to decide which they can afford to miss, the downside or the upside. You know, it says most average investors need to miss potential downside as it would be disastrous to their personal financial well-being. And the reason they need to choose is because that, at its heart, a medical issue, there is no way to tell the therapy or vaccine is going to be created, and there is no way of knowing. So choose now. Stay defensive and miss five to 10% of the upside or get aggressive, possibly 20 to 30% down. So how do we handle that as a firm, knowing that there's complete uncertainty? How are we using Macrocast as a mechanism to determine when it's time to maybe add risk back on? Playing defense today because of uncertainty from an economic viewpoint, but when in, at point in time do we play offense? Well, I think LRN makes a great point. And you know, the balance between offense and defense is what asset allocation and investment management is really all about. Um, I think you know, one point you can make is you can play defense without having to play full defense. You can take some risk off uh, of your strategies and um, your accounts without taking you know the account to 100% cash. So with a macro cash score of zero, 
our view is that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us based on our process to be fully risk on at these current levels. That doesn't mean, however, that you have to be fully risk off and own only treasuries or you know, other asset classes uh, that are considered defensive like gold. It means that you can take a balanced approach knowing and recognizing that there is a lot of uncertainty on there, but also uh, respecting the fact that the federal government and the Federal Reserve have acted decisively, aggressively, and quicker uh, than any point in U.S. history. So you you take the uncertainty around the virus and the economy, and you balance that out with the actions taken so far with potential more action coming down the road. And I think a balanced approach is where we view things right now. And I think Macrocast reflects that in its current score and the score that we've been getting over the last few weeks. And for, for clients, you know, each of them is going to have to decide based on their own expectations and risk tolerance what is appropriate for them. But from our perspective and the way we're managing money, we are taking a balanced approach and we are not fully risk on right now in our tactical strategies, but we also have not gone fully risk off either. So that brings up a good point is that you have a pandemic that led us into a recession, right? You conscious yes. decisions made um, to, to sort of move us into this direction of, of a recessionary market. The expectation is that we're moving into or are in a recession. How is this market in this environment different from the financial crisis? Because we're hearing a lot of correlations between market experts between now and 2008. But how is it different? What are your thoughts there, Rush? The biggest difference is that you just said it. It's that we put ourselves in this situation. I can't remember where I, what I where I read it, but uh, someone referred to this recession of this e- economy as going into a self induced coma. And the reason we're doing it is to stop the spread of the virus. But the economic pain has been real. It's been swift, and it has been very damaging. Um, the global financial crisis was different because that was really it was really a truly financial crisis. You had uh, over levered consumers really across the globe. You had banks uh, overly aggressive. And eventually, uh, when home prices peaked and started falling, all the assets that were connected to those home prices to residential real estate started to fail, and it spiraled downward. And also, on top of that, oil prices had surged significantly. And I think by middle of 2008, you had oil in the, in the $140 range at one point. So uh, it's a very different environment. You know, Our view at the beginning of the year was that the economy would be steady and solid this year, not spectacular, but but fine um, before the the virus you know wreaked havoc. So we actually came into twenty twenty pretty pretty positive overall. This is the really the first time that we have purposely put ourselves into a recession. You one could argue the early nineteen eighties, uh, Paul Volcker, the former Fed chairman, increased interest rates to break the back of inflation. And that was a self-induced recession as well. But in this case, it's, it's truly extraordinary, truly rare. And so, you know, we really don't want to compare now with 2008. Uh, banks are also significantly better prepared, better capitalized this time around. And again, the Fed, Federal Reserve, and the federal government have taken much quicker action in 2020 than they ever did in 2007 to 2009. This they've reacted, frankly, you know, very, very well to dealing with this. Um, so I think that's really the, the biggest two, the biggest differences. Now, now looking at Macrocast, Macrocast was originally designed when we were evaluating correction phases in markets and, and trying to determine what is a normal correction phase that typically have very quick recovery periods, maybe deep. I mean, we went through one. This was uh, October through December of 2018. We had right. almost a 20% peak to trough decline and a very quick recovery period. And that could have been caused by uh, the expectations. The Fed just got a little overzealous, over tightened. 
Um, market didn't appreciate that as market being a discount mechanism. But this time, we also saw a very deep decline in the equity markets and what appears to be now a very quick recovery period so far out of bear market territory. How can you explain that? Is this typical of bear markets um, or is this truly optimism um, that's existing in the marketplace in reference to a quicker recovery phase? I think there's definitely optimism in the actions of, of the Fed to, to shore up the credit markets and sort of put a floor on, on this market. So I think a lot of the rally has been driven by that. But you have to remember that even big, long, steep bear markets over time have major rallies that occur between them. The market can't just keep falling every day you know, forever. It, it, it's going to have fits and starts. So we believe that a lot of the rally is due to just the fact that it had fallen so fast, so quickly that there was bound to be somewhat of a snapback. Um, that said, you know, the rally has gone on a little longer, or I should say the uh, the amount of the, the snapback surprised even us in terms of how much we've we've gained back. But we think that right now, based on macrocast, based on the uncertainty, like I said, a more balanced approach, you know, a more cautious approach is prudent, uh, given how much is unknown about when we're going to sort of move our way back to normal. But base case right now is that while we had a deep shock in the global economy, this was to be expected. The longer term view for us is based upon the effective response from central banks and governments that this could result in less damage down the road than the financial crisis. Do we expect a quicker timeline of recovery than most normal recessions at this point is a base case? Yeah, I think the base case is absolutely that. I, I think, you know, we don't know exactly when we're going to completely come out of this, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. We know, you know, what the cause of this issue is. It's a virus. It's tangible. Uh, we don't know it, have a timeline um, for, you know, in terms of medical fixes to this, of course, and, and we're not epidemiologists or doctors, so we really can't speak to that anymore than the experts. But during the Great Depression, during the Great Financial Crisis, during other periods of uncertainty, you really weren't sure when things were going to get better or how they were going to get better. You know, here, I think we have an idea of what it what will need to occur for things to get back to normal. And, you know, looking at companies, looking at the market, they are definitely paying attention, uh, market participants are, to what's going on over the next, let's say, six to 18 months. However, you know, a lot of these companies you know, will survive, will thrive, and, you know, five, 10 years down the road, they're not going to be, you know, thinking about what happened with the coronavirus in, in the year 2020. So, you know, the market is a discounting mechanism. Stocks are long duration assets. So their their value is not derived simply by what is occurring in the next six months. You know, stocks look out five, 10, 20 years some, in some cases. So eventually we'll move on. And I think we don't want to get too focused in the short term and assume that the market is just going to fall and completely go to levels like we saw in 2007 to 2009. We've got to keep an open mind. But you know, right now, balance, as I said, makes the most sense for us. Now, what could change that is the continued uncertainty based upon the pandemic and the opening of the economy, right? That There's a big factor that plays on that from a timeline standpoint. Uh, it, it does. I mean, the economies, the global economy could start opening back up here in the next, let's say, six to eight weeks, but we're not sure what the consumer will do. And at least in the United States, it's a heavily consumer-driven economy. And you know, you can open the stores back up and try and go back to business as usual, but you can't force people to go out and you know conduct their lives the way they did you know two or three months ago. So th th that uncertainty we think is really the the biggest issue and of course people go back you know start easing restrictions and you know cases flare up again then you know you're going to go back to shelter in place and that just it's going to wreak havoc on you know the visibility of the economy um, going forward. So 
You know, the base case scenario, though, is that, you know, the second quarter is going to be a steep, steep decline that some level of normal will start to to appear in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, beyond that, you know, we really cannot say. And of course, you know, two or three years from now, we would expect things to be normal. But between now and then and what happens is is really it's really tough to say at this point. Because of that uncertainty, though, is ref- again it reflected in macrocast in a score right now of zero. The score last week was negative one. The week before was negative two. You know, in our tactical solutions, we are not um, you know fully risk off, but we're certainly we don't think this is an environment to be fully risk on. And we we understand that from a positioning perspective, if the markets continue to rally and you're holding any level of defensive assets, that there's going to be a lag. But we're comfortable, at least through our process, if that's the case, just to uh, avoid. The volatility and you know the the issues surrounding that, yeah, and that gets back to a, a good point that I think that's why there's so many varied views of outlook from multiple firms, from more optimism and U-shaped recovery to an L to a W. I mean, there are so many different letters that are being used, and some that have a more gloomier outlook, and it's simply because of the timeline and expectations of when we do get the economy rolling back up. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, people threw out a lot of letters and I, I heard about the square root recovery and, you know, you sort of just you shake your head uh, in exhaustion when you see this stuff. Uh, really, the fact is nobody knows anything in terms of what to expect. We just don't know how things are going to progress. We don't know what the summer is going to bring. We don't know what the fall is going to bring. We know long term that we believe long term that, you know, science and medicine will will make this thing eventually go away. But when and how that plays out is tremendously uncertain. But we don't want to get too pessimistic here. But we also don't want to get uh, too Pollyannish either. So um, I think that's reflected in the range of opinions, uh, and which is not dissimilar to other periods of, of economic stress. I mean, during the global financial crisis, you know, a lot of people are saying stocks are cheap, you know, buy, 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 and other people are saying it's the end of the world. Um, same thing happened, I think, after the dot-com bubble burst. So periods of uncertainty and stress bring out a lot of different ranges of opinions. And we just have to keep an open mind and follow our process, uh, listen to Macrocast, and um, see where it takes us. And Rush, as always, uh, greatly appreciate your thoughts and, and insight in reference to this, this market environment that we're going through. Any final thoughts for our advisors who are listening on this podcast? Um, just that uh, you know, we'll try and keep everyone up to date on... Uh, what Macrocast is telling us and our general thoughts on the market and, and positioning. Um, we will be publishing our next Macro Musings the week of April 20th. So uh, look out for that. And uh, we hope to share our thoughts again with everyone soon. Well, thank you, Rush. Really appreciate your time. And everyone have a great day and, and all the best going forward and stay healthy in this environment. Thank you.